This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Newport County podcast is made by the fans for the fans. And hopefully all exiles, wherever you're listening to this, are feeling chipper today after we after the rumbustious derby victory yesterday. Uh, I'm Ian. I'll be hosting today. And today I've got with me birthday boy, Reese. All right, Reese, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. And Ed, a good doctor, is also in the house. Ed, how's things? Oh, splendid. Walking on air this morning. Walking on air. That's what we like. That's what we like. Well, we've got a few. Obviously, we're going to be chatting about the uh, the Swindon game in some detail as we go through this. But we got a little bit of business to take care of before that. Uh, obviously, we've had transfer window. We've had an awful long time before we had a game. But yesterday, we did have a really moving tribute to to David Hando, and I think it would be remiss of us, really, from all of us here at the pod, not to not to comment on that and. To, just pay tribute to him. You know, I found it, I mean, I wasn't at the game, I was 200 miles away in Leeds watching an iFollow, but I found it quite emotional, to be honest with you. And I, I uh, for the first time ever, I joined in the minutes applause from my living room, which was a, which was an unusual thing. I felt, I felt compelled to do so. I think we can't overstate the value of what David did for the club. Nathan Blake on the, on the commentary yesterday, he said he's the most important person in the history of the club. And I, personally I would not argue with that at all you know he was the driving force behind the whole football with the future the reformation of the club after the debacle of the in the late 80s and I think what I liked you know he quietly and tenaciously rebuilt the club and drove us back into the league and he did all of that while being a thoroughly nice bloke I mean he sort of disabused the notion that nice guys finish last. I, I hate that saying anyway. You know, you can do things in a good in a good way and, and, you, and you can finish first. You know, I, I know him personally, but I did meet him, you know, a good few times over the years. I don't think back in those early days you could have gone to Newport Games really without without meeting him. He was a... He was, um, you know, he was a passionate, he was warm-hearted, he was positive, he was a friendly guy, you know. Um Big-hearted guy, a really, you know, really nice guy to, to to stop and have a chat with, just in there like a bar after a game or something. And I think that 
just reflecting on this for me, I think we, I like the, you know, what would David do? You know, he, if you think about this, you know, he fought long and hard for what he believed in, but he did so with like absolute dignity. You know, he took on the establishment and he won, but he didn't do it with shouting and slagging people off and abusing people that we see from sections of our own and other fan bases. I think everyone could learn an awful lot from how he conducted himself. So we should all be more like Hando. What was it like in the in the ground for, for that? It was obviously a lovely tribute read over the Tannoy. Juan, I don't know whether you got that on the uh, on the iFollow broadcast. Um, no. But then, yeah, really, a really kind of rousing minutes applause. And even fair play, uh, the Swindon fans all joined in as well. And yeah, I think it was a really nice tribute and just to echo what you've said I think can't thank David enough really because without him we probably wouldn't have a football club today totally agree with that that's lovely to hear that the Swindon fans you know all took part in that as well so if any of them are listening to listen to this you know thank you for that and also I think while we're talking about club legends just want to say a big get well from everyone at the pod to Tim Thraves the voice of the port who's been in a bit of poor health recently so you know all our, all our wishes go go with go on to him now as well Right. Okay. Moving on. Before we go into the main business of the game against Swindon, let's let's just cover the transfer window a little bit. We'd already talked previously about um, you know the Dolans and the Wilmots moving on, but since we last talked, we've also sort of waved goodbye to a few others going out on loan. So Lewis Collins um, has gone out on loan to Torquay, and two of the young uns, uh, Jack Caradogan and Harrison Bright, have both gone on loan to uh, Pontypridd, I believe. So we've also made some sign-ins. I know everyone was champing at the bit and social media was frothing, but, you know, some players have come in. So we've made four, uh, one permanent, three on loan. Harry Charlesley, free in from Port Vale on an 18-month deal, I believe. Charlie McNeil on loan from Man United. Callum Cavanagh on loan from Middlesbrough. And Matt Baker on loan from Stoke City. So, Reese, thinking about those and the transfer business we've done, do you think we've broadly improved the squad? And do you think there's any gaps that we would have liked to have filled that we didn't quite manage to do this time round? Um, no, I think broadly we can be pretty happy with that transfer business. And uh, certainly off, off yesterday's performance, Charles Lee could be key for us. We were crying out for a bit of creativity and he was involved in creating a lot yesterday. So if, if we can get a bit more service to the uh, to the attackers and he's a big part of it, then you know I think we might start picking up a few more points. Charlie McNeil looked lively makes some very smart movements in and around the penalty area sometimes too smart I think he um second half he pulled away and had loads of space and I can't think who was out wide but they just couldn't see him they didn't see the movement he was a little bit guilty of overplaying in places he tried like a left-footed crossfield pass that Johnny Williams cut out yeah I think that's his his senior debut so you know he'll improve Kavanagh looks sharp Matt Baker, I think, is very much going to be a squad player, though, um, just as a bit of centre-half coverage. Uh, the players going out, I think I put in the uh, our chat the other day that I think the Lewis Collins loan maybe should have happened a year or two ago because, you know, he's been playing that. 20 games a season for us, but a lot of them have been 20 minutes off the bench here and there, whereas if he had had a season where he's playing 30 games starting, then, you know, Maybe that would have been better for his development. We'll see. Hopefully, he can um, he can come back an improved player and uh, make a difference for us because we all like to see a local lad do well. Remind me, Reece, have, have we have we got Collins next season, or is he out of contract in in May? I think he's out of contract. I think he is as season. well. Uh, like you, I think um, he, this this really is last knockings now for him. He, he needs to go there and 
score hatfuls of goals if he's going to come back. I think otherwise he's he's probably on his bike, isn't he? It's what his brother did. His brother went out on loan when he was at Wolves. He went out on loan to at various levels. I think even when he was with us, he went on loan to, was it Merthyr? Mm. So, you know, he went out on loan and got a lot of football under his belt, which I think is what these young players need. Kavanagh looked exciting yesterday. Did really well for, for his goal. Very unselfish from Aaron Lewis. And he could have had another if Bogle was unselfish <laughs> as well. But I don't begrudge Bogle for taking that on. If you're a striker... You're always going to take that, especially one who hasn't scored for a little while. That probably would have done his confidence a world of good. Could have done with that one sneaking in. But um, I, overall, pretty pretty impressed with with the signings. I think McNeil will get better. He had some good touches, uh, a lot of pressure. Someone was telling me that he's got an, a million pound boot deal with Adidas, <laughs> who 19 years old, and he made his first team debut yesterday. Yeah, I tried so, to think what I would have done with a million pounds at 19, 19 years of age. I was chatting to a mate of mine. I got a mate of mine who's a really uh, he's a big United fan, unfortunately. And um, when we signed him, he you know he said this guy has got has got some proper talent about him. Um, and he he he, refer- he referenced his boot deal because he said, oh, he'll have to even put his own boots on when he's coming playing for you, won't he? Want to have some like lackey putting them on for him? So, uh, but it was really funny. Watched him in the first fifteen minutes. I was thinking, what's going on through his head? I was like. The ball was pinging around. I was pressing. There was it was going ninety miles an hour. I was still like it was rumbustious beyond belief. One I was thinking, I doubt he's that's a hell of a debut to make. I doubt he's played in many games like that in, in his he life. Took an I think you'll, I, the, took an yeah. elbow to the back of the head about it was just after sending off. So it was probably about twenty minutes in. I thought, "There's your welcome to League Two moment." Yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, and like you could see him on the telly. Anyway. You could see him almost thinking, "And the ball's going up to him. God, someone's going to come to the back of me here." Someone's going. So I think he'll, you know, he'll grow into that. But yeah, like, like it'll be interesting to see how we go. Ed, in terms of thinking about, you know, this is the first chance that that Coco's had to bring some players in, put his stamp on the team. You know, what what did we glean anything from from what you saw and from what these signings are? Well, I think I think Coco probably realised early on that he was inheriting a squad that was rich in terms of quantity, but perhaps not in terms of quality, especially in the loan department. And we talked last time about having another throw of the dice on the loan options, especially up top. And and yeah, as, as Rita said, it's early days, but you know, Kavanaugh's played at this level before for Harrogate. McNeil comes with a big reputation, although I yeah, I, I agree with with Reese, I think there may be a little bit with McNeil of him suffering from like first loan syndrome, you know, having to adjust to nulled fourth division centre halves roughing him up. But there's definitely some some quality there. Um, but yeah, as you say, and the big one was um, Charles Lee, who on paper and on grass looked every bit the the marquee signing that um, we were crying out for. When when we spoke at um, at Christmas, we were saying and listeners were saying that the number one priority was that box-to-box engine room midfielder who could control the tempo and assert themselves in the middle of the park. Um, Vale fans assure us that uh, Charles Lee offers that in spades, and I think the signs yesterday were really excellent. Um, So, yeah, it's it's early days. Um, But, yeah, once he gets that bit of match fitness and match sharpness, then if that's the first signing by which Coco is going to define himself, then I think it's a, a really good one. Um, the other thing that I was musing on this morning is um, about Darren Kelly, who I think has come in for quite a lot of criticism, and I'm I'm still a bit in sort of two minds. But the question that stands out for me is how much say Darren Kelly has had, because if you look at it, Robry's signings were predominantly players he knew from his time at Cardiff City. Coughlin's main January signing is someone he worked with at Mansfield. So does that mean that 
Kelly is basically just focusing on loan signings, you know, and if so, then what are what's the, like the benchmark for success with his post? Because, like I say, I'm not arguing particularly for or against a sporting director, but I'd love to know what judgment the board have formed about him after, is it, what, four transfer windows now? You know, that, that's a that's an open question to my mind. And yeah, I'd be interested to, if either of you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. The board ultimately decides his success criteria. So it's probably telling whether when his contract is up, whether he gets another one. Yeah. If they're satisfied with his work. But one thing Cochrane did say um, in the press that quite a few of the players he tried to get, he just couldn't manage. There was, he said there was one that he had worked with before that wanted to come here, a striker, but he was offered the chance in League One and was offered a lot of money, so couldn't turn it down. And he said that the money being thrown around, especially by the some of the smaller teams, what we normally say smaller teams in League Two was kind of surprising compared to what you'd normally expect. You expect Bradford and Swindon to spend big, but they've got big attendances so they can afford it. But when you're like Sylvia, you know, you're Gillingham's and they're, they're throwing money about, we're, yeah. we're not in that kind of market as a club. That's where that, the Charlesley one looks a good looks a good signing for me. It looks like that's, that looks like, yes, um, Cochrane knew him, but also he clearly had identified what, you know, the area that he, he really, he really wanted to sign. You know, he, he was the right age. You know, we've got him on a, on a proper contract. So I thought that was good business. It might be, it might be that, um, you know, your McNeil um, and your Kavanaugh, that, that, that might, they might be coming off Kelly's famous spreadsheet. Who knows? Um, it's difficult to know, isn't it? But but as you say, the proof will proof of the pudding will be seeing what happens to them. So talking about what happens, it feels like an unbelievably long time since we talked about a game of football. Me, I think the last time we saw were me and Ed schlepped up to Carlisle. That was that was a joyous day out. Um, but I don't think we've had a home win since sometime in in November, have we? Um, seems like a long time. But we had a new look side on the pitch yesterday. It was proper blood of, from where I was watching. It looked like a proper blood of thunder. You know, inverted brackets derby, but it's, it's a pretty. It is. It all, almost like a derby, isn't it? Swindon. Yeah. Early red card was arguably the turning point in the game. Was it Russian um, Hepburn Murphy? About fifteen minutes in, handbags or not, as the case may be. Ed, I think that was right in front of you, wasn't it? What What was your view of that situation? Yeah, it was right in front of me, and no question uh, that it was a red card. Um, I, I will say that Clark was very smart in the way that he accidentally i'm doing i'm doing air quotes listeners uh, he accidentally kind of dropped Hepburn murphy onto his ass uh, after the challenge and norman was then very smart in the way he kind of steamed in sort of gently nudged Hepburn murphy uh, away from clark sort of ostensibly to stop a fight but fully expecting and successfully eliciting the the angry reaction so it was quite a neat bit of gamesmanship by two very savvy experienced pros but you know that's that's what's going to happen none of that forced Hepburn Murphy to respond the way he did, which was with a very aggressive, angry, high shove, like about three yards away from the fourth official. So it it was very clearly a red, but we we kind of earned it uh, through some crafty play, I think. I will say that it came as a massive relief because just a few minutes earlier, Hepburn Murphy had shown a real turn of pace against, I think it was Dimitriou, um, and I'd said to, to my mate that he, he looked like a player who could put us under real pressure. So to see him get sent off a few minutes later came as a, a big relief. And, and yeah, it definitely changed the game. And and yeah, kind of took away what I thought was probably 
in some ways, I thought he was a bigger threat than than Charlie Austin, but just because of the pace that he had. Just just to sort of take a slightly devil's advocate position on this. Uh, yes, I think he had to go. Um, he raised his he raised his hands, but also Norman raised his hands and gave him a shove. It wasn't as hard a shove. There's an argument to say if two players are shoving, they should both get the same treatment. I'm just trying to sort of be a little bit even-handed on this. Norman's brilliant at this, isn't he? You know, but he you know he went over like he'd been you know Tyson had hit him, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? And that's like. <sighs> I, I like personally, I don't like to see it. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd agree with that. The the only thing I'd say is Norman would argue that he his shove was a sort of defensive keep away from uh, the player. I'm trying to stop a fight, if anything, sir. You know, it, it was it was that sort of shove. Now, I think probably anyone who's who's watched the game will will know the. Um, the thinking behind that, and like I say, it did what it set out to do. But I think he could argue a case, perhaps. Whereas I think Hepburn Murphy, because of the uh, the kind of vitriol with which he went for the shove, it was yeah harder to make that case. And in terms of the in terms of the game, Reese, what what sort of impressed you more? The fact that you know our defence seemed to deal very very comfortably. I mean, I know it was eleven v ten for a lot of it, but it kept kept Charlie Austin and you know, really quiet, you know, or the fact that we actually created some chances, which, you know, we've been crying out for in the game. We'll talk about the goals in a bit, but we did we did create stuff, didn't we, in that game? Well, I think Cochrane always sets his side out, doesn't he, to not, the first priority is not to lose the game. That's what we've seen from him so far. I said yesterday that I really rate Clark. Clark was the perfect kind of defender for, for that game. With his experience, he just, he had Charlie Austin in his pocket, didn't he, pretty much. And he used... He's not quick and he knows that he's not quick, but because of his experience, he doesn't put himself in positions where he can be exploited. He's, he's a bit of a master of the dark arts where he gives people a nudge at the right time where the referee doesn't see it. I thought yesterday he was brilliant. I thought the whole team played well, but he stood out as playing really well. And um, like we mentioned before, Charles Lee was involved in a lot of what we created. It was a bit unusual second half that considering we were playing against 10 men, after we got the second, we completely eased off. And there was a spell of 10, 15 minutes where we were just clearing the ball and then it coming straight back at us. And they changed shape in the second half. Their number 20, Tracy Blake, like here, that guy had so much space that you could man mark at this point. There's no need for someone to have 30 yards of space because we've got an extra man. So, yeah, Yeah, it was it was almost like we hadn't prepared for the possibility of being two goals up. The the Coco thing is sort of get a goal and then kick it into the corners and you know see out the time and manage the game, which is what I expected us to do after the second goal went in. I was like, right, here we go, shut up shop. And we sort of didn't, but we you're right, we we also didn't sort of try and push for a third. It was like we we kind of we prepared for every eventuality in the game except the idea that we might be two two nil up and cruising, and we didn't know how to deal with it. When I was watching it, I thought, right, we should stay on the front foot here. We were pressing really well across the park we just got to keep doing that you know it's, it, i think i always think it's fatal when you go oh, well you know we'll just defend it i just think it's fatal when you change that momentum in a game because you give them the momentum then don't you because they've got the ball and you know they're pushing for promotion so there should be a decent side you know so let's not don't give them time on the ball you know it was almost like attack versus defense for a while we were clearing it to the halfway line and then they just come straight back at us but again i thought the, the side played well Oz ran himself into the ground he it was no surprise when he got subbed off. He was trying to press, but he just didn't have the legs anymore. He'd done so much work through the game. Yeah. I thought Adam Lewis yeah. was excellent yesterday. That was a beautiful cross for yeah. the uh, 
Norman goal. Basically, Norman was the only person who could reach it. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but he also won, as he does, he wins a lot of challenges. I thought Scott Bennett played really well. He he did really well marshalling some of their threats um, and just doing, you know, the the thankless stuff that Scott Bennett does. Do you think it helped Scott Bennett having Charlesley with him? Because it meant that he wasn't having to do all of that kind of running around, mopping stuff up. There was someone else doing that. And so he could almost, he could stick with runners a bit more rather than having to go to the ball every time. Um, well, he was still coming out to the ball a lot. Um, there was one ball that went down into the channel and he just marshaled their their player perfectly. Uh, just, you know, used his body, didn't foul. But Charles Lee is involved on the ball a lot more. So I think Bennett, Bennett can maintain his shape. Um, Charles Lee was receiving the ball, to my eye anyway, receiving the ball a lot more than Bennett does. And was then, when the play broke, when our play broke down, Bennett was already in a in a good position. Yeah. But with Aaron Lewis and Charles Lee, there's a lot of legs there, isn't there? They can be slightly further forward than Bennett, pressing, pressing, pressing. So even when the ball breaks, it's often under... You know, it's not as it's not as controlled, and he can snap in then behind them. So I, I thought that I thought that worked well. So in terms of the in terms of the goals, I mean, I, I can't believe we're actually talking about goals to be honest with you, because not only did we score, we scored them from open play, and actually bizarrely, our set pieces were bobbins. I thought watching on, we never seemed to be get. I think you commented, Reese, we never seemed to be able to get a corner over jo- over Johnny Williams, who was the smallest guy on the pitch. The open stuff was great, wasn't it? I mean, from my perspective, that first goal. Was absolutely, as you say, was absolutely fabulous. Wing back to win back. Great to see Cam Norman actually getting in a box. I think if there's any criticism of his of his play, I think sometimes he gets he doesn't get into that back post stuff enough like he did there. So I thought that was that was great and and a good shout out to Charlie McNeil actually because I think he controlled the ball well, kept, dropped out of the box, controlled it, it, laid it beautifully for Scouse Lewis who could just then yeah. just ping it across. So that 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 was a that was a great goal. And I think, you know, the, the second one, beautiful play from Mariah Welsh, didn't he? Picked it up, drove through the midfield, saw Lewis charging through the middle, didn't he? And it was a lovely dummy by by Kavanagh to that. Yeah. So it was a two really good goals actually. What was your what was your view, Ed, on the on the goals from sat up sat up with a prawn sandwich brigade? Well my my view of the first goal was that I was Oh in, you were on Haribos, weren't you? I, yeah, I was in the concourse queue for Haribo, so I I didn't see it. Um it looked great when I watched it back afterwards. The second I thought, yeah, it was a really nice bit of interplay. I thought um you already mentioned Mariah Welsh, I think it will do him such a big favour to maybe have a few games where he can come on and influence the game a little bit against tired legs, because I think he I think he's a smashing player. But I think starting every game was really, it felt like it was taking its toll on him. And I thought yesterday he came on, took his chance really well. Like you say, it was a great pass. It was a lovely dummy from Kavanaugh. And then the unselfishness of uh, of Aaron Lewis to, to lay it off to Kavanaugh to just tap in, I thought was uh, was really heartening to see. So um, I thought the second goal was lovely. The first one, yeah, it was a great cross. Um, I wish I'd seen it live, but there we go. Now we did concede, yeah. didn't we? We did concede, which is, was not great. So it wasn't flawless. As always, Ed, you've got a few... Few grumbles and gripes. I'll let the, listen, the let the listeners have a, a look behind the velvet rope here. So we we record on a Sunday, and the the reason I think for doing it the day after the game is that no defeat feels quite as bad after a good night's sleep. But equally, you come down a little bit from the high of the victory and and think, okay, what was there that we could have improved on? And I think if I was Graham Coughlin, there would be three things that would be in my mind. You've already mentioned one of them, which is our set pieces were dreadful. You know, we looked like we never practiced a corner in our lives and the attacking free kicks weren't much better either. 
And I think for a side who's had so much time on the training pitch in recent weeks, that's that's unforgivable. So um, uh, that's something where I think we need to to put in some time and see some improvement. I'm a bit worried that we may be still a little bit lightweight. Um, you know, it's it is just a fact of life with this squad that we are going to get out muscled. I think defensively we're okay, but in midfield and in attack we're not as physically strong as our opponents. You know, we've already talked about McNeil, who I think will take a bit of time to um, adapt his his game. And I think. Yeah, there may be a bit of horses for courses this season where we perhaps need to use the likes of Evans and Bogle for some of the games where we're up against the the really physically strong teams. I mean, Swindon were a, a big lot, but there's some very big, strong, imposing sides and we maybe are going to have to um, yeah, try and win ugly against against those. And the other thing, I'm still a bit worried about Mickey Dimitriou. You know, he had those howlers at Carlisle and there was one nervy moment in the second half yesterday um, and I think in a perfect world we give him a, a breather but with Drysdale out I, you know I know we've got Matt Baker on loan from Country File but I'm, I just don't think we've got the luxury to to give Dimitri a break but um, yeah he does look like a player who who I don't know whether it's tiredness and fatigue or something else but he just feels like he's got an error in him every game at the moment and so yeah there's a there's a few things there that I think you know, we've got a tough run of games coming coming up. We've got to go to Barrow, who are in the promotion. And we've got Stevenage at home, who are outperforming expectations. So, yeah, there's a few things that I think we're going to need to sharpen up on. Um, and that, none of that's to take away from a, an excellent win yesterday, because it, it really was a fantastic three points and a great game of football. But, um, yeah, we, we, we shouldn't get too carried away. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on some of those points. Go on, I then. think some of, some of our... We had a couple of corners... The ones that made it past the first man were actually really threatening where Priestley's just shoving people out the way and winning them. There was yeah. one before the sending off that the keeper saved. When we get the delivery right, our set pieces seem to be quite threatening. But I think there was two or three that hit Johnny Williams on the front post. There, there were three because I was counting because we had six corners and three of them were... And then there was one in the second half from Aaron Lewis that just went over the top of everyone. Yeah. But the ones there was... I don't know whether there were free kicks or corners, but there was at least two or three of those that made it in and were threatening. Our long throws didn't seem to be working either um, yesterday. There, there was a great one um, quite early on where Mickey shaped to do a long throw and then tried to, and then threw it short, I think to might be Norman, but it, he, he didn't get the, the angle right. And so it bounced on the touchline before then bouncing into play and they kind of made him retake it. And you were like, God. Oh, that was a weird one. Yeah. I yeah. What yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he basically um, didn't get it on the pitch. Yeah. I don't think we're a particularly small side either. I think and the, the smaller players we've got, like Aaron Lewis isn't particularly big, but he plays bigger than he is, if you know mm. what I mean. And then Charles Lee's not small. Bennett is not small. So the midfield, like our midfield three yesterday, were perfectly physical enough for League Two. Yes. Uh, the, the caveat, I suppose, is, you know, you look on the bench and it's the likes of your White, your Mariah Welshes and so on. So I, I think... You're right. And I think the reason why we went with the midfield three yesterday that we did is because they are a bit more imposing. But, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it is going to be horses for courses. Yeah, I, I agree. But also, I think you need a bit in, of that in the squad. We've got we've played the likes of Evans at left back to counter Sutton's kind of size. Uh, Bogle is is physical enough. But I agree that you, you're probably not going to put Kavanagh and uh, McNeil up front together because they're going to get bullied. I think we've got a decent balance between physicality and players who can play. I put once after the sending off, I said, imagine playing 
75 minutes against 11 men and then James Waite comes on and starts running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you've got the likes of Mariah Welsh and Waite. And I think, I don't think we had that earlier in the season. I think bringing in Charlesley has allowed us to have a bit of an impact from the bench. Yep. Whereas you'd probably say before, Nevers was always supposed to be that Im- impact player, but he never really delivered on it. Wilmot kind of could do that. Strangely, he's been doing that for Walsall, hasn't he? Um, in the FA Cup and some of their league games, he's he's been that spot. I think we got a good good balance to the side going forward for the rest of the season. I'd, I'd agree with you, Reese. I think you know it's quite interesting. You know, now it's settled. We got our squad. You know. Which, which sort of leads into thinking about, well, what, what does that mean for the rest of the season? Where, where can we finish? And I think that one of the frustrations yesterday really was after that brilliant win, you looked at the league table and Blinken Arrogate had won away, hadn't they, at Carlisle. I pulled one away at, at yeah. Doncaster, didn't they? Which is unbelievably frustrating. Gillian and won, but I think they're, they're getting the amount of money they spend, I think they'll be fine anyway. So, you know, we're still down there, but what's your assessment of where we can, you think we might finish uh, now that we've sort of, you know, we've all settled our squads. Well, I think we're we're still going to be in the lower reaches, but I don't think we're we're a relegation risk. I haven't all season, but also we we played one of the top sides in the league. All those other teams have got to play Swindon again, and not many of them will take three points off Swindon. I think the key is always when you're in the lower end of the table is beating the teams around you, which, as we've discussed before, we've we struggled with. We've saved our best performances for your likes of your Swindons and your Leighton Orients, and then we lose at home to, to strugglers. Um, Rochdale. Rochdale, twice. So I think the important thing is is to start beating those teams around us. If we can start doing that, then, you know, this side is, Cochrane said it in his interview this morning, and the Argus shared something earlier on, just before we came on air, that Cochrane's looking up the table. And I agree with him that there isn't much difference in quality between us and some of the teams above us. But the, I also think, the counter to that is there's not much difference between us and the teams below us either. So you, you need to pick up the points. But I don't think we're any risk of being relegated. Um, it's just one of those things that, unfortunately, the teams around us also picked up points yesterday, but they've all got to, they've all got to play Swindon again. Rochdale look like they're in a bit of a hole. We're nine points away from Rochdale, aren't we, with, a, with two games in hand over them. So really, it's that final relegation place between from Gillingham in 23rd, probably up to... Colchester in 17th is covered by seven points so you know a reasonable run for any team around there and they're suddenly going to rise out of that pack I'd agree with everything you said there Reese. I, I, I've never thought we were in danger at any point this season but it just looks a bit dice it just looks a little bit tricky at the minute because you've got a load of teams that are bunched haven't you but you know, I think our performances, even at you know, you know, when we were up Carlisle the the other week, who we were you know going great guns, there wasn't a wasn't a huge amount between us. We were a better side in the first half. We you know we've been a little bit unlucky, I think, as well. So I I, I think we're I think we'll do okay. I think that we've strengthened. I think Charles is a, a good addition if he stays fit. I think we'll be well. I think we'll be fine. We've had a few comments and queries that that have, that have come in, but I think my the one I like was uh, Blairinho said, "Is this the start of cockball, or is it, or is it cockball? I'm not quite sure." <laughs> but also, what he said is, "What can Don't we Google deduce?" Google cockball, listeners. <laughs> what can we deduce from you know the start, the permanent signing, what we brought in, and how the playing style might evolve? Because obviously, we were a bit different yesterday. I thought in terms of we didn't just play hoofball. There was there was some direct stuff, but there was plenty. There was some passing and stuff as well. There was more creativity. Any anything that you 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 can see in a very 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 small sample that we've got? 
much more high tempo midfield and that I think allowed us to create more chances and I thought that nowhere was that more obvious than the second goal where you know rather than playing it up to the feet of strikers you're trying to get them to you know make runs around the back and stuff and and so I think that bodes really well um I was saying to Reese before we hit record that was the most entertained I've been by Newport County for months um and so uh, you know I it's early days I'm not getting carried away but um I thought that made for a much more engaging watch and we created more chances in the first 25 minutes yesterday than we have in all of our games since Christmas combined, I think. So, um, yeah, we haven't cracked it at all, but um, I thought that was a a good positive and yeah, the high tempo midfield was the the key to it. And that that's down to Charles Lee. And and I think, yeah, what he has then released Scott Bennett to do alongside him. And um, yeah, runs beyond the strikers as well from midfield. We've seen a bit, uh, James Waite was doing it earlier in the season, but Charles Lee was doing it. Um, Bennett did it a couple of times as well, which he didn't get the ball. He made a really good run in the first half, but he laid it off to someone out wide and carried on at the box and he didn't get the ball back. He should have, because it was a great run. That's what you want is, you know, pass and move. Well, the second always... goal, Aaron Lewis, look at that, running on past, you know, he'd run past the strikers, hadn't he, to get that through ball. So Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we weren't doing that so much um, before Christmas. I don't know whether it was just playing against 10 men or whether some extra time on the training pitch has contributed to that. But yeah, those runs from midfield are really difficult to defend. And mm. I think that's what led to us creating more chances. Brilliant stuff. Okay, quick fires. Player of the pod. I'm going to give it to Scouse Lewis. I thought he was excellent yesterday. He was really, really good. Honourable mention is James Clark, as I said before. But I thought Aaron Lew- uh, Adam Lewis was excellent yesterday. Nice. I've got similar names, Ed. Dan. I thought Clark coming back was massive. Um, Adam Lewis, I still find really exciting. So I thought, yeah, both of those deserve a shout. But um, purely for the way he laid down a marker and put out a statement of intent for what he's going to do for this team, Harry Charles, you take a bow. I'm with you. I'm with you, Ed. He's what I put down, yeah. And, and I think it's worth also saying, I think he's only played a handful of games, hasn't he, for, yeah. in the last few months. So he's not up to speed. And he brought a real sort of all-action intensity to it all. So looks like a shrewd acquisition, hopefully, onwards and upwards from there. So we've got some tough games coming up. Next two, talking about schlepping to Carlisle. I tell you what, Barrow's a tricky place to get to. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get there, but it's not a done deal yet. So we've got Barrow away and then Stevenage at home. What, what are we thinking for those? I'll go to you first, Ed. What, what, what about those two? I think Barrow's going to be tough. You know, it's a long trek to a team who are going for promotion. Um, the one thing I will say is I, if if we don't get uh, a win, if we come away from that with a defeat, I don't think we need to go into full-on panic mode. Um, the bigger game is Stevenage at home. We need to make the most of home advantage. The fact that they'll have, I think, just come off the back of a tough home game themselves against Bradford. Um, I think we've, we've got to focus on Stevenage. If if we don't get anything from Barrow, um, we don't need to you know, hit alarm bells. Um, let's see if we can grind something out against Stevenage. And I, I'm feeling positive. I think we may not we won't get anything from Barrow, but I think we can beat Stevenage. Yeah, um, Stevenage are going to be tricky. They're, they're second in the league for a reason, aren't they? Their game plan isn't complex, but they do it well. Mm. Um, so that might be another one, like we said, horses for courses that we need to adjust to land of the Giants. Barrow, I think we just... It is a long away trip. If we come away with anything there, that's a positive. Um, Stevenage, you know, we've got to be prepared for what, what they're going to try and bring. I, I'm feeling positive about Barrow. I think we're going to sneak it. I think we're going to sneak it 2-1. I think their, their form hasn't been as great since they've 
you know, they've had a brilliant start to the season, haven't they? But I think they're not quite firing as they were doing. I know that I know they're still up there, but I think we can get something there. Um, I'd take a draw with Stevenage. I think they're going to be a really hard nut to crack. I think we've got to be really ready for that. You know, Steve Evans, um, love him or loathe him. And I'm in the loathe category. He knows how to get a team playing at this level, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? That, you can't take that away from him, you know. So I don't necessarily think some great football, but we know what they can do. We've got to be ready for that and we've got to be up for that challenge. I think a draw against Stevenage, 1-1. One, one. See where we go. So shout outs or beefs. As always, I've got one of each, but let's throw it open. Anyone got anything? Yeah, um, just a bit of uh, consumer help for Cake Lab. That uh, their advert on the electronic hoardings, they're advertising that they sell deserts, not desserts. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone from Cake it's brilliant. Lab is, is listening, they uh, they need to change their advert. Also, does anyone know what happened to the match announcer in the second half? He was gone. Ah, the, the tannoy broke, apparently. Ah, right. I was going to say you were cutting them wires you take photos <laughs> off, anyway. Ed's had his uh, match announcer voodoo doll out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Does anyone know what the attendance was yesterday? That's that's what I wanted the nope. announcer for. No, no, never got announced. Um, I should imagine it will it will surface at some point in the coming days. But yeah, they there were no uh, there was no attendance announced and no kind of no substitute stuff. Protection. Yeah, added time, man of match, none of that. Yeah. Mine are we've mentioned it at the start, so we're top and ten in the pod. It's just the shout out for me, just that remembrance for Hando. It was really well done by everybody. So. Thank you for that. Great stuff. My beef links to the um, it links to the transfer window. Player reveals on social media. Absolutely the most pointless load of rubbish in the history of the universe. Absolutely cannot bear them, whether they're ours or any other clubs. <laughs> Every club leaks like a sieve anyway, so everyone knows who's being bought anyway. So that you're revealing nothing because we all know who the players are. Just say we bought player X. From Y Club on what deal? That's all you need to do. This ridiculous thing you where, like, want, ours was. You just want a holding the scarf photo on the pit. <laughs> yeah, I don't that. even necessarily need a photograph of him. Just put a little, little graphic up saying, This is who we bought. I, I mean, our one this year, the one for Charlie McNeil, where we did some riff off Charlie and the Chocolate Factory revealing his golden ticket. It's like, well, A, he wasn't in the video. And secondly, he's already won a golden ticket. He's on a, he's on a mega bucks. Deal with United, hasn't he? Coming to us isn't winning the golden ticket. We haven't won it either. The whole thing is a farce. I can't stand them. In a related shout-out, I am going to give a shout-out to Ben, who does the club's social media, because the poor sod spent his working days for the last month having to trawl through responses saying, announce Boney, and demanding <laughs> comment on every half-truth half and rumour. Um, but yeah, so yeah. well done, Ben, because he's remained positive and upbeat amidst uh, all of that. Um, and my beef is with lunchtime kickoffs because thank God... We don't have many of them. It felt really weird and unnatural yesterday, rushing from kids' football, driving like a lunatic to get to Rodney Parade, um, arriving just before kickoff, stressed and panting, and then getting home at three o'clock, not, not quite sure what to do next. I think the, the top flight can keep all of that nonsense. Saturday, 3 p.m. from now on, please. Or back in the old days, 3.15, as it used to be at Newport. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Reese. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back, obviously, shortly with more stuff or more games. But in the meantime, keep it counting. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.